Welcome into Other People's Shoes, the podcast where listeners get to step into the lives of others and see the world through their shoes. Your host, Neil Matthews, is a seasoned interviewer who has a natural talent for empathizing with his guests and drawing out their unique perspectives. Through a combination of storytelling and insightful questioning, Other People's Shoes explores the lives of a diverse range of guests, from everyday people to celebrities and thought leaders. With a warm and welcoming style, Neil creates a safe and supportive space for his guests to share their stories while also challenging listeners to broaden their perspective and think more deeply about the world around them. So tune in to Other People's Shoes with Neil Matthews and get ready to step into other people's shoes. Welcome into Other People's Shoes. As you know, I am your host, Neil Matthews. Merry Christmas to you, right? Isn't that what we're supposed to say in this Christmas episode is, is Merry Christmas? And you know, without a doubt, We are here to celebrate Christmas, even though Christmas realistically is five days away here in the States. I always have to preface that because there is such an international audience that seems to gravitate towards the show, which I'm excited about. Let me tell you, my friends in India, hello, welcome. You know this well. I do have to tell you that he said this years ago, and we have held him to the fire about doing this every year. Welcome in, as always, in the Christmas episode, Garrett. Garrett, how are you today? Not too bad at all. It's one of my, one of the things I look forward to to every year is the Christmas episode because then I get to go back and listen to like when Netflix puts on a show it all is up at once instead I get to listen to all of your seasons that have happened in the year all at once and it's wonderful is it wonderful though that's the question most of the episodes yes some of the episodes I don't gel with but most of the episodes oh who was it this year there was one person who I absolutely love but we'll get into that We will, of course, get into that. But you wanted to lead off today. I did. Instead of the shoe question, you wanted to lead off with what? It's it's the Christmas season. What is your favorite Christmas movie? I, I have a list on my phone of my top 11 Christmas movies. 11 Christmas movies? I don't want to get into all of them because a lot of them will cause arguments. My top two, maybe three, are easy to go through and are just scream Christmas to me. The top two have to be played on Christmas Eve every year in our household. All right, let's go top three for you. Three and then you do your three. Sound good? So for me... Number three is A Christmas Story. Okay. The one with Ralphie. Yes, the one with Ralphie. All right. Just checking. Number three is is A Christmas Story for you. I'm going to say number three for me. Off the cuff because you didn't have this ahead of time. I was not ready. Yes. Now I'm processing through every Christmas movie that has ever existed. I'm going to go number three as Elf. Classic. You know, I was forced to watch Elf recently in the last two three years i'm not a fan of will ferrell there's like two movies i actually like him in and both of them are more dramas but i watched elf recently and i thought you know what this is not a bad christmas movie at all it's probably one of the better christmas movies to come out in the last five to ten years yeah i like elf i think elf is is number three for me it's definitely fun Number two for you. Number two, I don't even have to look at the list. It's A Muppet Christmas Carol. It is by far one of my favorite Christmas movies and captures the perfect spirit of Christmas. For a person who was born in the 80s, grew up on Muppets, and Michael Caine's performance is wonderful. That wouldn't even make my 50. (laughs) So there's that. Number two for me is going to be It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, that's a good one. That's a really good one. And some people would push on that. They would probably say, why not number one? But I'm going to say my number one, it has a reason. So here we are. Well, no, no. Let's go your number one then. If there's a reason, let's tie that together. All right. Number one, drum roll. Here it is. White Christmas. Ooh. And it is the first, I believe it's the first movie Elizabeth and I watched together. Oh, all right. Well, my number one, it... I guess it's sentimental in a different Wait, way. Wait, did you do n- number two was Muffets? Okay. Uh, my number one is the original Boris Karloff, The Grinch. A cartoon? Yes. Okay. It's short, sweet. It's only 30 minutes long. It shows the true meaning of Christmas. It shows how anyone can get in the love of the spirit. I grew up watching that every year from, I think, the age of like five. On Christmas Eve, we'd watch that and we'd read The Night Before Christmas and go to bed that night. That's why, to me, Paramount, that is the number one Christmas movie. The Peanuts didn't even make your top 10? No. I could show you the list and you can ridicule me if you want. I want to ridicule you. I enjoy ridiculing you. <laughs> so there, there is a movie on here that isn't numbered. It's The Nativity Story, which I think is one of the most phenomenal Christmas movies. I just thought of it the other day and put it on the list without a number. All right. Uh, Garrett's List, The Original Grinch, The Muppets, Christmas Story, we, we already talked about Home Alone, mm-hmm. 
Scrooge. Is that the one with Bill Murray? That is. Okay. Harry Potter had a Christmas thing? No, no. It's the first Harry Potter movie because it does feel very Christmassy. It came out on December 7th, no, December 5th of 2002, I want to say. I was working in a movie theater at the time, and the whole movie just feels like Christmas. Now, people would push on this too. Die Hard being a Christmas movie. It takes place on Christmas. It, the whole theme is he's there on Christmas to try to repair things with his wife. That's the whole movie. Everything else is just secondary. And Krumpus? I don't think I've seen that one. Is that a horror one? That is a horror one with the German folklore creature. And the movie, I, it says so much about American consumerism during the holidays and how that's not the point, that it's a wonderful little dark Christmas movie. Die Hard 2 also takes place during Christmas? It I does. I did not know this. It does. And his wife is coming in on a plane to New York, I think, and they're still trying to patch things up. So as we go down the list near the, the lower numbers, you're supposed to watch those movies after Thanksgiving. And as you get closer to Christmas, you watch the other one. That's kind of how the list is structured you feel more Christmassy as you get to number one gotcha gremlins I, I feel like that is an underrated christmas movie i agree wholeheartedly and then your 11 is christmas carol with jim carrey so you really have two different versions of the same charles dickens christmas movie the only reason why the jim carrey one is so far down the list it's definitely christmasy feels the least christmas spirited it doesn't feel as happy as joyous as the occasion should be mind you that is the story it's a perfect segue into the holiday from this day of thankfulness and watching someone who's completely Completely not thankful. So I just watched for the first time in a very long time a Mickey's Christmas Carol. Mm. With uh, Scrooge McDuck as Ebenezer Scrooge. We watched that every year in elementary school. In school? Yes. That seems odd. It was very odd, but I know the movie almost by heart. And I I thought it was longer than it was, and it was only 30 minutes. I was very disappointed by that. Oh, I know. I think it's great that it's 30 minutes. I think these 30-minute Christmas movies is even on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving plans didn't go as we had planned. And we started decorating the tree and putting it up because it was just me, Will, and Ashley for Thanksgiving. We use Pandora for music in our house. So Ashley said, okay, classical Christmas and Burl Ives is playing, Frank Sinatra, all the classics. And then I'm like, okay, Google, play Feliz Navidad. And Ashley's like, no, no, it has to be in English. So she switched it back to classical Christmas. And then I'm like, okay, Google, Christmas heavy metal. And I'm listening to some great Twisted Sister Christmas music. And Ashley's like, no, we cannot agree. So we eventually just went to like Chris Tomlin Pandora station because we still get the Christmas music because it's gospel music. It's the holiday is about Christ. You get gave Christmas movies number one Christmas song. Feliz Navidad. The Hispanic yes. Spanish version. Yes. Mine is Winter Wonderland. Doesn't matter who sings Which is it. a great song. I like the Babyface Kenny G version because in <laughs> high school I was really into Babyface. Kenny G is just fantastic. That song has a happiness. The Feliz Navidad has a happiness to it that very few Christmas songs seem to match which is weird because again it's a happy holiday and I associate a lot of Christmas memories with being a child or watching children opening gifts and it's just a joyous thing. That's where my heart is with, with the holiday. Yeah, I think that's the joy of Christmas is getting together, having these traditions. So speaking of traditions, did you guys have growing up, did you have the tradition of you could open one present on Christmas Eve? Yes. And I can tell you right now, it was always pajamas, always pajamas, and maybe something else like a movie that we could watch that night. Uh, but it would always be pajamas. I feel like that's such a disappointing present to open. Like you're expecting G.I. Joe, you're expecting the Nintendo, and you got pajamas. Well, that tradition has continued on when Ashley and I got married. Her mom started getting us pajamas on Christmas Eve as well. And then my mom still buys pajamas and sends them up with the Christmas presents too. Even though we tell them both, don't buy us presents because we're adults. Well, I say it. Ashley doesn't. Don't buy us Christmas presents. We're adults. Buy our child Christmas presents. This is terrible, but I remember when Adia was growing up, we didn't buy her Christmas presents. <laughs> At that time, she was the only grandchild, and there was a lot of people buying her stuff, so we didn't feel like we should buy her anything. So for the longest time, she got very small things from us and then bigger gifts from family because we knew they were going to do that. Well, not only that, but that's also looking at our family and looking at other families I know with the, the first children. It's hard when you first become a parent. There's a lot of funds that get slushed around. Diapers are expensive. Formula is expensive. Every Everything as a, for a young child is expensive, and it's great to have those family members who pitch in to get the bigger, more expensive things or the more abundance of gifts. Parents want to just buy everything their child wants in the store. Yeah, I remember being left in a Toys R Us 
because I couldn't pick a toy fast enough. <laughs> I don't know if it was around Christmas or not, but it seemed very holiday driven. Maybe it wasn't. But getting into today's episode, now that we've had some Christmas cheer to share, Garrett had taken the task of trying to listen to every episode this year, which roughly comes out to about 52 episodes because we don't miss. We don't take a time off. We don't. There are no holidays. For there's no shoes. holidays. The staff here shoes. is overworked and in the middle of a move, too. <laughs> Finally moved, though. We are settled. We are here. We are in the cozy corner studios, as I'm calling it, till we can get to the main studio. But as of this moment, we are in the cozy corner studios, the cozy the cozy box, even. There's no decorations <laughs> still. There is a very nicely lit neon sign on the outside of the door that says we are recording. So that's about the only thing decoration-wise we have. Do we want to open it up to the audience to filter in suggestions for the name <laughs> of the, the actual, actual studio, studio once well, it's I, fully moved in? I did put it out on social media, and I got, okay. I got quite a bit of response. Everyone loves the shoebox idea. Shoebox Studios. I like Shoebox Studios, too. I was thinking about it while driving out here, which I won't disclose the location of your studio, but it's got a wonderful view of Table Rock. I was thinking the Shoebox Studio sounds perfect. The only problem is, is there's a place in Canada. That's fine. They're Canadian. <laughs> So that's my only thing. I do want to acknowledge something. So often on the show, we lead off with style shoe that people wear, brand and style. This last year, we said goodbye to my wife's grandmother, who we are now living in her house while we wait for our house to be finished in construction, which could happen maybe later this year. So maybe by next Christmas episode, we could be actually in the shoe shed, as it's also been called, or the shoe shack studio could be there next Christmas, which would be amazing. I'm hoping July, personally. I'm hoping July too. Last year, we've actually said goodbye to my wife's grandmother, Charlene. She was a big fan of the show, big fan. She said she didn't listen every week, but she would look at the guests, kind of probably like you, Garrett, and say, is this my cup of tea? Is this not my cup of tea? And she would often listen and tell me, you know, obviously how great of a job we would do and things like that. In light of that, I would like you, now we're not on video this year, right. but in light of that, next to you is a pair of white shoes. Do you see them there? I do see them. Those were her shoes, and those were her favorite shoes, according to my father-in-law, Rick. They will now adorn our wall when we get to the new studio. Can you see a shoe size in there? I do. They're US 9s. Avitas. White pair of Avitas. Her last name was White. I asked Rick, my father-in-law, for a pair of grandma's shoes that she wore often. And as an homage to her, I wanted to have them here as not only we did today's episode, but going forward, they will be a featured shoe that we look at fondly. Do you know where you're going to put them in the studio? I, I'm going to have it in a very prominent place because, again, we're still laying out what that looks like. Yeah, I kind of like the idea of them being on a, a windowsill as if they're someone's leaning against it with one shoe tipped up. I just think it's a cool thing. Well, normally on the Christmas episode, one year we try to give each other dates to remember. I'm trying to remember what we did in other years, but we kind of usually go on a theme that's not based on episodes except for the first season. We did. This year, I went through and listened to a bunch of the episodes, and some of them I made some notes and kind of wanted to pick Neil's brain a little bit, and hopefully you guys enjoy these questions too so i only have questions for the seasons you're only and the mass which season do you want to go into first you pick buddy you're in charge i'm not great at directing or being in charge you have so much more practice by the way over the years this show has turned into something completely different and it has turned way better than i could ever imagine or dream it for as a podcast it's been wonderful in January, the show will be five. That's so many years. That is so many years to think about. In those years, not only do we know where we're going in January, we know where we're going in April. We know where we're going in September. That's when the seasons will change. So if you're not loving the season we're currently on, skip ahead to April. <laughs> skip ahead Time to travel September. ahead. Time travel ahead. I've never done this before, and I'm ready to do it. Do you want to talk about it real quick? So in January, I've never done this. I've never announced the theme ever. We've always kept that kind of close to the vest, as some would say. So so in January, we're calling the season Take Flight, and we're going to explore what it is to fly. We have a lot of flight-themed senseless questions. They, they're <laughs> amazing, very well-written. Thank you, ChatGTP. So after we take flight, I think it's only fitting that maybe we sit down and we write a letter. And so we're going to have that season that will start in April called Dear. The idea is somebody's going to come on and share a letter that they have either never written or never sent or anything, but they will actually read the letter on air and then talk about the reasons behind 
behind the letter that they've created. So it's called Dear, dot, 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 the ellipsis. That's a tough word. And then we're going to end the year with, which is kind of ironic. I, I didn't plan this. I didn't know how it worked out, but it is during the holiday season. So September, October, November, December, those four months will center around being hungry. Which is perfect. Which is perfect for the holiday season. And <laughs> I people didn't are realize usually that. stuffed. Yeah. So what are you hungering for? What are you thirsting for? There'll be more on, on that down the way with those three themes. This is the first time we've ever talked about the themes for next year. We're so far ahead. Like as of this moment, January's done. We actually are almost done with season 16. It's also, I don't think the show's ever been as prepared as it is now. I, I, I don't want to use prepare because that gives it a bad connotation. It, it's never been as well oiled as it is now. I think that's the better way to put it. How my brain works is if an idea comes to me, if there's structure to it, I immediately have a notepad, notebook, usually nearby my area, and I'll jot a word down or a phrase down. Maybe I'm listening to a song and I remember that lyric of the song. And in that, then I kind of circle back around to it as I prepare for the show and the theme, because I think the theme is so important to what I do, essence of the show. And I've had people comment through the years, nobody else does it like you. Nobody else has these type of things. And that, as a creator, creative person, that makes me feel good because it's like, okay, I'm doing something that is unique and different. And I, I think that's a way for the show to stand out. And I think it's something that your listeners appreciate too. Well, let's hope so. So let's look into this last year. I'm going to, I'm going to go into your only, cause I only have a few questions from those seasons and then we'll go into the mass where the, the majority of my questions are, but the season you're only, what was your inspiration on that season? A great question. So in that season, I was sitting at a men's advance at church. Which, by the way, I I have to interject. I was talking about your men's advance for your church. I was talking with our current pastor. We just recently got a new pastor for our church. Telling him about the men's advance. He goes, what's the men's advance? And I go, I don't like it. I hate the term. Real men do retreat. He goes, what do you mean? He goes, well, they say real men don't retreat. It's a men's advance. Where I could think of great strategists and generals who did retreat because it was the smart thing to do. He goes, but I really like men's advance. And I'm like, oh, no. Another one. So, yeah, I've never been sold on the name. I call it basketball camp. I call it man camp. I, I call it everything but men's advance. So that's technically the name. It is called men's advance. So anyway, our church had brought in this speaker by the name of Evan. And Evan is from Idaho Falls, Post Falls, somewhere in that vicinity. And in that, he starts retelling the story of David and Goliath. Well, my immediate reaction is, I know the story. I kind of checked out. In my mind, I'm, I'm actually writing notes for the show because my brain won't shut off and it won't turn off. And all of a sudden, Evan says this line from David and Goliath that King Saul says to David, he said, you can't go fight Goliath. You're only a boy. And I immediately was like, wait a minute, you're again back to the notebook. I wrote it down. You're only. And I kind of stewed on that, went away um, that night, kind of thinking about it, still thinking about it. And then the next day, he kind of recaps his talk. And in his recapping of his talk, he says it again. And I said, there's no way this line, you're only has ever been in the Bible. And so I look at seven different, almost 12 different versions of the Bible. And in that, I start realizing it's in a variation of it is in there. And I immediately say, how many people have struggled with you're only ever going to be blank? And it got me thinking. It got me thinking to the point of saying, this is a season. I purposely try to find artwork that kind of signified somebody being significant. So I picked a gold medal. Nobody's commented on that. No guest has even picked up on that. It's this idea of achievement. It's this idea of that's been your identity. We've talked identity in the past, in past years on the show, but I thought this is so much more than your identity. This is who you've been told you're going to be. And I thought this is so powerful of an episode. And it, it's been fun. This has been a great season, I feel like. And next week when we close out, we have a great guest and I cannot wait for next week's episode. Again, I try to have great bookends. I try to have a great lead off. I try to have a great end. And next week's guest, I think is going to do a great job for us on that. And I can't wait. Former major league baseball player that's all i'll say leading off of that and this question isn't on the notes that i sent you uh-oh i'm going off the the cusp what is your only well so that's a great question i think for years I struggled on some level with feeling like I'm never going to be the things that I want to be. I want to be a great dad. I want to be a great husband. I want to be a great journalist. I want to be a great broadcaster. I feel like for years, many years, I felt like I wasn't ever going to be those things. And I think now, now that the show is kind of hitting a, a pinnacle moment at five years, I, I feel like that's a kind of a big achievement. I know a lot of friends that have bailed after a year 
bailed after two years. So for us to get to that five-year mark, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to think back and think, man, this is the rhythm and the routine of my life now. I, I know what I'm doing. I, I know exactly where we're going. Again, as I already mentioned, I know we're going in 2024. That is such a comforting thing. And so for me, I now can say, yeah, I'm not only Neil, I'm a podcaster. I'm a broadcaster. I'm a journalist. I can say those things with confidence in my heart because even though along the way people told me I was never going to be these things, I am these things now. I think for me, when I think about I'm only going to be, it's such a limiting thing now. I don't even focus on that. So would it be fair to say that you're only is you're only going to be Neil Matthews? I ran from being Neil Matthews for so long. I never even wanted to use my last name for so long. I wanted to stay so quiet and so concealed and I never wanted to have my personal stuff out there. And now it's like, I don't care. <laughs> Which is good as a podcaster because your personal stuff's going to go out there. I really am trying to show people the good, the bad, the ugly. And I was so afraid of showing that and being that vulnerable and that transparent. I think now more than ever, I really want to be that way because I think there's such an authenticity to that. There is. And I could definitely see that. It's hard because being authentic on the air, online through media is so much harder than being authentic in person you and i have known each other for longer than the podcast has been going like two or three years and we have a great authentic relationship because we know each other we live in the same town we see each other face to face being authentic with an audience is a different ball game entirely and it's because of your wonderful personality you've been able to translate that so well through the podcast well, and I appreciate that, Garrett, because even even my own dad, who I don't think listens on the regular basis, I would be shocked if he even knew how. We had lunch a number of months back, and he said, the first thing he said to me when we sat together, how's the show? Where are you going? And what are your biggest struggles that you're running into right now? And I thought, what? That is so uncharacteristic of him to ask those type of questions, to, to be on that level. Let's me know that people now know this is the rhythm. This is the routine of my life. I mean, to the point where we're building a house, as I mentioned already, and that'll be done probably in the next year or so. My brother-in-law is so committed to me and to my family that he said, you know what? Instead of building your house first, we're going to get your studio built. And that was that was a huge humbling thing to me to walk out on the property. And it's vast. It's 63 acres. So it's a lot to walk out there and to stand on the concrete. And he said, this is where you make your stand. This is where you continue to create your show. And to think that 11 by 11 room that's being created for me to carry the message forward, to have that empathetic message, to me has it's it's humbling it, it almost makes me weep the fact that people are now starting to take notice that it isn't just a hey flash in the pan thing so for your only s-n-a-j i don't want to pronounce that that would be snadge what a wonderful dynamic <laughs> having you and three other guests on and just kind of bouncing around like rubber balls in a room was so awesome do you think we'll see any episodes do you foresee any episodes in the future being similar well, that was for 250. So as it was coming up, October 4th, 10-4, that's how I always remember 250 is 10-4. But I knew 250 was coming up. So again, in podcast land or in podcast world, at least in my mind, there's some there's some key milestone moments. Some benchmarks. Some benchmarks. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. So 50 usually is a good benchmark. A hundred's a good benchmark, 200's a good benchmark, 250, and then 300, and, you know, and so on and so on. So I think they kind of go in 50, you know, units of 50, if you will, or increments of 50. And I knew 250, I wanted something special. You know me, I, I don't want to just throw out a show just to throw out a show. I reached out to to Jody and Adrian, Sean, which getting three people in three different, well, two different, no, three different time zones. I'm in the West, yeah. you know, Sean's in the Central and the, and the girls are in the, in the East. So, you know, three different different time zones and logistically on the same day at the same time. I mean, there was a lot of moving parts to get everybody there to me and then getting to see them in real life. Back in November, I was out in North Carolina. For those that have not known, I was back in North Carolina for a four-day period of time and I got to meet Jody and Adria face-to-face, -face, in person, live. It was just such a neat experience to not only record with them, but then, you know, almost roughly, almost a month later, meet them in real life it was just fun. And so that was always, that'll always be a fun episode for me. As far as seeing it again, could it happen again? Boy, I don't know. I, I really don't. I don't know. Well, let me ask, how many times did you have to reschedule? 
Not once. Ooh, that gives me hope for another episode. Not once. I'd like to see definitely some more episodes with other creators out there that you guys get along with. Person I think of particular who I think would be a good one is um, husband and wife duo, the one who does the voiceovers for your intro. What's her name? I can't. Jessica Lewis. They would be great to have on an episode crossed with someone else. And maybe this will just be like a you and Sean thing where you and Sean both are always coming into a bounce house episode, so to speak. Well, Sean always wants to come on. Sean McCoy, that is. He always wants to come on. And his episode that we did this last year, which I'm sure we'll get to momentarily. Oh, let's get to it now. We can get to it now. So the background behind that, Sean and I have, have been interacting and talking for, for quite a while. And Sean just kind of one day let it slip out, I guess you could say, that he had taken mushrooms. He had this kind of experience, I guess you could say. And I thought, Sean, you're very brilliant. You're very smart. You're one of the smartest people I feel like I've met in my life as far as virtually. And I just just said my exact comment was that was the stupidest thing I think I've ever heard anyone <laughs> say and in that he said well we should probably sit down and talk about it and I said and it fit right into your only is this a mindset I have that you're only ever gonna be having this mindset of that drugs are bad and that drugs are wrong and did he sway me in any way I'll say this because <laughs> people have asked I still don't know if it's for me I still don't know it gives me hope to say I don't know if I would ever do it something happened to him and that I can't take away that I can't ever take away from him because something happened to him it's it's interesting subject because I I know where I stand on that fence. I, I am against any kind of mind-altering substances. Pre-2017 Garrett would have been, yeah, why not? Sure. In fact, it was on my list of things to try in this lifetime. That and salvia is the other one that I hadn't tried at that point. Supposed to do the same thing mushrooms does, but only last five minutes and it's untraceable. Well, I think his lasted a weekend. Did he change your mind or were your stance... So I will say I softened my stance only because, again, I can't take away his experience. I can't say what he did was wrong because at the time, I think just because I know Sean, I think he was hurting on some level. And I think this allowed maybe some closure in some areas that he really needed some closure in. Okay. And that... I think that is a powerful thing. My favorite episode of the whole season was Yes Man with Paul, Paul Hollis. My description of the guy is super spy and leaf in the wind. He sounds like such a cool guy to talk to. Tell, tell me, what was it like talking to him in the green room? Full disclosure, I struggled with this episode. Paul, no disrespect to you and what you shared in case you hear this episode. So I, I want to say that at the onset, you were great and gracious. Your books are amazing. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to get a copy of that book. I haven't yet, but I'm going to. For me, it was a struggle. One, because it just seemed so crazy and so almost unbelievable. How does all these things just kind of domino kind of into place? Like you're digging in, in of all places, Africa, and this dude rolls up on you and is like, hey, so you want to go to Europe? Yo, sure. You know, oh, you're you're hanging out with these people out in, you know, Ashbury. And they're like, hey, let's go to Woodstock together. And it's just crazy. And like, there's just, just no way all this happened. I say this because he here's the joy of the show. My wife listened to it and she's like, man, that guy was fantastic. I had a number of other people listen to it and was like, man, that is such a cool story. I'm like, it was so cool. And they're like, you didn't like it? I'm like, listen, hear me on this. I think this is true of even a musical artist. I don't know, but I would imagine it's true. Not every song we put on the album is like, oh my gosh, that's my favorite. See, I really thought you were going to gravitate towards the Footprints episode because it was the first time ever that Elizabeth made an appearance on the show i didn't even count that in my notes at all oh the year ender episode i didn't realize that was the beginning of the the year episode that's okay well we can go into that because i thought that was awesome i asked elizabeth that she's gonna so elizabeth is one of the people who works at my work as well so we see each other every day we joke around and i keep on asking her is she gonna come back on the show and she's like i don't know it doesn't really feel like it's for me i'm like it was awesome you have to do it again so to help, she was in April 26, 2023. She finished out our season, our first season in the new year uh, called Footprints. The story goes, I bought these cards called Served. In that, it says one of the cards that you can play against your partner or significant other or whatever, another person essentially can play these cards back and forth against each other. And so one of the cards that I played on her was, you have to join me in one of my hobbies. And I said, I want you to be on the show and I want you to be my season finale guest. And so we called it quiz prints which was a little bit of a play because she made me take these quizzes with her and then we discussed the quizzing that she took place it that, was that took place great 
It was great to have her on. It was great to see her personality on the episode. It was so much fun to see your guys' dynamics. And I think listen to you on a weekly basis, get to see your home life kind of played out in an episode. It was it was grand. All right. So we talked about footprints briefly. Now we talked about even your only. Is, is there anyone you really wanted to gravitate towards or highlight? There's a Wendy Wallace, which is fixing your want to. She was such a wonderfully positive, strong force. I would be willing to say that you could sling mud in her face and she would thank you. That's how nice and positive she seemed. Listeners who need a reminder, she was the woman who had lost her legs. She was an amputee and she had to learn how to live life without her limbs. She was completely positive, talked wonderfully about the whole thing. And I was thinking she's such a strong, joyous woman. And I was thinking for you, Neil, one, what did you think of the episode? And two, my follow-up question is, who else do you know who has that same joy? <sighs> I, I think she's just cut from a different cloth. I've never encountered anybody quite like Wendy. It was such a joy to meet her virtually. It makes me very emotional sometimes when I think back to it because of the fact I complain about the dumbest of things. The dumbest of things. She has every reason in the world to be mad, to be hurt, to be pissed off, to be angry. And she still finds joy in the everyday, in the, the smallest of things. When she's talking about how she has to write with a stylist because she has no hands. She did to at the beginning, you know, we lead off every every episode with what size shoes do you wear? Well, we ask the guys that ladies were a little more gracious, I guess. We say, what style do you like? And she immediately says, Well, I don't I don't have feet. So how does that work? You know, and it's and she says that joyously and laughingly. It's great. Yeah, she said it very joyously. She came on and really just injected a tremendous amount of joy is phenomenal. I would say the closest guest that I have found, I mean, Adria comes to mind, of course, um, just because she is joy in bodily form. I mean, I, I've never met a more joyful person, obviously. Adria's pretty good, too. As far as guests we've had this year, Winnie's up there. Yeah, she's up there for sure. But who in your life matches that kind of joy or has that kind of the joyous attitude that she had. Joyous attitude, as far as that goes, I think this comes from an unlikely source. And it's a guy at church named Bob Dilly. Oh, I could see that. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen Bob in a bad mood, ever. <laughs> I mean, this guy, like, you think of Ned Flanders from The Simpsons? This guy makes Ned Flanders look sad. I'll just say that. And let's say their dog died. He'd be like, well, you know what? My dog is in a better place. And praise God that, you know, I mean, it's like, what? I mean, he just finds ways to be excited and to be happy. And he'd probably be the closest. I think everyone in their lives needs someone who's as joyous as that guest. And I could definitely see Bob being. So what was the idea behind the season the mask i think i was looking on canva for the next season and i came across the artwork that we used i'm going to pull it up here just so i can kind of visually see it on the website and that's uh that's the joy of the smaller space you get bumped into things as i knock over the senseless cup senseless humor now uh precursed don't worry or, uh, it's already been broken once yeah it's the cup's already been broken once again it can't be broken again we'll just move that out of the way i saw this mask I have it pulled up on our website right now opspodcast.com i saw this mask and the idea of what are we hiding behind and lo and behold i meet this amazing cat call people cats from time to time because they're peculiar i meet this amazing guy out in of all places missouri kansas area and his name's neil he wrote this book called Unmasked and I thought man that's just fitting and I, I don't know I just really fell in love with the artwork more than I fell in love with the season if that makes sense like the artwork came first which is usually opposite usually the season comes first then the artwork but this time it worked out a little differently the artwork came first then the season since we mentioned Neil Neil's on my list Neil was a great guest and his story was very powerful very very good I loved it but it brought me to the question because as I'm listening to this I was thinking this listening to you ask these questions Neil you do you wear a mask now so again going back to that transparency idea i think for me i would say five years of doing this almost to be as completely transparent and as completely vulnerable as possible so i will say this i think in years past Prior to the show, I was really good at wearing a mask and really good at hiding and really good at concealing how I felt because I felt like I had all these feelings and all these emotions and people couldn't handle it. And I was just way too much and way too gregarious and way too much out there and kind of had to tamper that down and hide behind something. And, and I think over the last, I would say, two years now, tried to just say, this is who I am. I'm hazelnut coffee. Whether you like me or you don't, this is who I am. I only laugh because I don't like hazelnut coffee. <laughs> 
Most people don't like hazelnut coffee, and that's kind of why I use that as an analogy. I love the guest, Neil. Having his wife on was really, really interesting, too, as a kind of a follow-up episode. I thought it was fantastic. So with that idea, do you have plans in the future? Well, I know you have guests as they come on, but do you have any agenda for the future of bringing in a spouse of a guest or another family member of a guest to have kind of like a piggyback episode, so to speak? Well, I had a couple friends listen to Neil's episode. In the very first question, I got asked... After they finished listening to Neil's episode, which changed a lot of people's minds. I mean, they really were blown away by his story and blown away by what he shared. If you haven't listened to the episode, I, I strongly encourage go back and listen to it because it's just such a crazy, again, talk about crazy stories with Paul. I was going to say, I wouldn't even give a descriptor of the episode. I would say people definitely just go back and listen to it without knowing anything. I was taken a surprise by it. I thought it was wonderful. I think it's one of those episodes that was just a kind of a pivot moment in the show and the show's history, truly. But with that, I had a number of people reach out to me. I think it was about seven to eight people say, so please tell me we're going to get the wife's story. Please tell me we're going to hear what she has to say. And I think in that, you know, I pitched the idea to Neil initially and I said, would Amy ever think about this? And he said, well, she doesn't, she doesn't really like to talk about it. You know, she's, she's really trying to move forward. And I said, Neil, I think her voice needs to be elevated and amplified. And so he agreed and she agreed. And Neil even came back to me and said, you asked her things I've always wanted to ask her, but I never could because I, you know, for whatever reason, he didn't feel he could do that. He he wasn't objective enough to do that. You know, we had her crying. <laughs> and I know some people are like, wow, why are you celebrating that? Well, here's why. Because in my mind, when someone cries, there's such a trust level between me and that person that I've earned that right. And so for me, when she shed her, her tears, she felt comfortable enough with us to cry and to shed those tears. And, and to me, she has, I would say, almost as equal, if not higher level of story than Neil does because she had to choose to do something in the episode that people should go listen to. Right. I, I have to agree with you. When people share, it's wonderful when someone actually gets the emotional point of crying on the episode because then us as the listener, as the audience, we get to feel an emotional connection with that person that you, you don't get on a lot of other podcasts. It's usually movies and TV shows where they're actors who are crying on there that you're getting this artificial sense of an emotional connection. Now, we don't we don't get to be Amy's friend. We don't get to see her every day. We don't get to sit down with her even on, for just an hour instead we get to feel what her shoes are and instead of it being an artificial same thing with all the other episodes but picking on her particularly we get to be in her shoes and get that emotional connection as if we were there as if we were her friend and i love the episodes that get that deep i think that's the joy of the interview process i think that's the joy of my style that is so it's what separates me from so many other shows is we're gonna have we're gonna have guests like that we're gonna have topics like that we're gonna dig deep into things like that well, bouncing off of that, thinking show-wise, you had a UFO or God, Chris Bledsoe? Yeah, Chris Bledsoe. Bledsoe. Very interesting story. Very interesting things that were put forward. I, every time I started typing up a question for you, you asked the question to him, and I'm like, no, you're taking all my material. One of the things I always keep on thinking about as uh, you guys are going back and forth is, why is his story interesting? And I'm sitting there listening to it, trying to assess it myself, going, I have my preconceived notions. I wasn't there. I don't live where he lives. I love the fact that there's going to be a documentary coming out and science stuff that's going to either prove or disprove whatever it is. It's going to put his story on the limelight. Uh, good, bad, worse, whatever. But why is his story so intriguing, and why is it so interesting? I think a couple of things that come to mind. One, deep down when I started the show too, I mean, there were, there were some things that I was thinking about. If I ever get a chance to, I want to explore this. One of them, Bigfoot. I've always sort of been being a Northwest We're going to get guy. there very, very soon. Yeah. Being a Northwest guy, I've always kind of in the back of my mind been fascinated by Bigfoot and that whole thing, which was fun this year. And then the other one was UFO and UFO abductions. Not only did I have Chris on, but then I went after the fact and I listened to his book, UFO God. And that gives a bigger picture. If you go listen to the book and then come listen to the episode or vice versa, like I did, I think you're going to get a more rounded picture of his story. And for me, I don't know how I feel about UFO. 
UFOs. You talk about Sean's episode changing me. I don't know what to do with Chris's episode. Being candid here, I don't know what to do. I don't know what he saw. I don't know what he experienced. He's still seeing them. If you check out his Instagram on a kind of daily, weekly basis, they show up. Who are the they? I don't know. But something shows up in his Fayetteville, North Carolina area. I can't explain it. I'm not smart enough, techy enough to understand it. His book gives a more rounded picture of his story, especially after we sat with him. I thought, there's no way. I mean, it's the second time this year that I sat there and thought, there's no way this could be true. There's just too many... nuances to it. I kind of agree. I I was in, as a faith-based person myself, there's nothing in the Bible that talks about aliens. So to me, growing up, I love the idea of aliens. Then I know how many planets there are and what the likelihood of life is. Then how hard it is and the Fermi paradox. How do things come to Earth? Can anything come to Earth? Is it possibly time travel? All these other things that have been put forward. And because I put my faith in God now, I I look at it and go, is it spoken about in scripture? Well, either it's not important or it doesn't exist. I don't know. I really don't. I want to believe it. I want to think that something happened. I want to think that it's not demonic. I want to think that it doesn't have satanic origin to it. I I don't know, though. The fact that he's even healed people remotely, he is the most studied, his case specifically, is the most studied case by the FBI, by NASA, by Harvard, by Yale, by all these, like, big brainy places and they're coming back saying we don't know something still is like what i don't get it and we were privileged enough to have him like i said there's some people on my mind not people per se like with a name but topics and and ideas that i'm like man that has always fascinated me and if we got a chance we would jump at it and and chris was one of those people this year perfect with chris being one of those people was also a greg roberts story one of those the bigfoot enthusiast i i found his story fascinatingly intriguing as well for entirely different reasons Go ahead and give me your thoughts on that episode and then follow up question. Have you ever had an encounter with something strange? So I'm going to go backwards. Growing up, my cousin, I don't know if she was just messing with me, said that she saw demons above me at one point in time. I don't know about that. I do know, again, my mom told this story when my granny was dying. She had woken up at one point in time prior to her death. At that time, because she was so close to death, they were only letting one person in at a time to her room. My granny had woken up at one point and asked my mom who was in the room with me while I was reading her Bible. My mom says, well, nobody was just kneeling. She said, well, who was the man standing behind him? Was that Lynn, my dad? And my mom said, no, mom, that, no, that wasn't Lynn. Nobody was allowed in here except one person at a time. I don't know. I don't know if that was my mom's way of trying to comfort me. I don't know. But I will say I've had some weird things happen. Heard even from directly from people who I know personally who have had some kind of weird kind of, we'll say entertaining angels, lack of a better wording, kind of moments. So I don't know. I don't know what to make of all that. Again, I I don't know. I still need to investigate a little more. But Greg was amazing. He is such a character already. I say that as a a positive, not as a negative. I mean, I just set him up and he just went. Kind of knew that going in that it was going to be like that, which I was okay with. Greg gave a lot of great useful, if you're a Bigfoot enthusiast, I highly recommend listening to that episode. If you've ever wondered, he is, in my mind, our area resident expert in some respects. So if you're any way at all curious, he's the guy that you would want to go listen to. He's just that talented as far as information and what he knows. So yeah, it was just a, it was a fun episode. It was great listening to him because it was almost like letting out a golden retriever that's been locked up for too long. It was was trying to run to keep up. I, I know everyone's got stories about strange things. That they've seen. I, I have a, but I remember waking up one night. I was probably 14, 15 years old. I have two little sisters. We were living in Napa Valley at the time. It was the middle of summer. So me and my sister were going to sleep out in the backyard in a tent. We don't ever go camping. We're not an outdoorsy family. We grew up near San Francisco. We're not outdoorsy. We're city folk. Probably around midnight, maybe a little bit later. And I go outside and it's a nice fog because we're near the coast. We get fog in Napa Valley. And I see this patch of fog move out from the rest of the fog and fly over our house going super slow and it was almost rectangular shaped like it was wispy smoke that's rectangular shaped and then had wisps coming off of it and my sister gets out of the tent because she wakes up and she goes over and looks at it too neither of us ever figured it out really we we talked to either my mom or dad about it we said this is what we saw and they're like oh you're probably dreaming just a weird thing doesn't mean anything one way or the other means nothing in the long run but Definitely a weird, strange thing that I've seen. The one that troubled me the most, or this year, agree to disagree. We had on, I think for the first time ever, we had a gentleman come on 
who professed to be a Christian, said that he was openly homosexual. And then that same season, we had another gentleman come on by the name of Paul, who professed to be homosexual and a Christian, but not acting on his homosexual tendencies. So we had really two separate sides of the coin. And that's the first time I think ever we've had that type of dynamic where we have almost two similar stories, one acting, one not. To this day, I've had people push on that and say, this is why your show's not Christian, because you had allowed that type of guest. And I said, well, here's the thing you need to know about my show is I am a Christian who has a podcast. Other People's Shoes is not a quote-unquote Christian podcast. I don't know. I was um, I was wrestling with that episode while I was listening to it. This is another episode where I'm writing down questions and then you ask it. And I'm like, no! It was phenomenal to hear his point of view. Do I agree with it? Absolutely not. At the same time, it was really, really good to get into his shoes and hear his point of view and his story. But that brings up... The questions that I had, is it okay to agree to disagree? I don't know. And that that's the struggle I have too, is the fact that, again, for whatever reason, I don't know, I just, I really struggled with with that show, partly because we were approached for him. We didn't go after him. He came to us, which I think is always important. That dynamic's always important. I don't know why I always share that. Some people ask that. I think because it, it lets people know that sometimes I'm interested and so I'll pursue. And sometimes it's when they're interested. He came to us. I wasn't sure, but I knew in my heart of hearts, that's a conversation I want to enter into. Because again, it's something I don't understand. And if I don't understand something, and you mentioned this, Garrett, in kind of your onset, you're writing down questions and you're like, oh, he answered that or, oh, he asked that or, oh, you know. And so that lets me know that if you're thinking that, chances are pretty good someone else is thinking that. Someone else is like, why isn't he asking this? Oh, there it is. He should ask this. Oh, yeah, I'm not God. And I am thankful and grateful every day I'm not. However, it is not my job, it is not my place to look at someone's life and say, you're going to hell. I will say, profess to be a believer, and you say you are professing Jesus as your Lord and Savior, as Thomas does, my Lord and my God, there's the dynamic shift. And I would say, then I'm called to be a fruit inspector. In Oregon, California, we have this fruit stand place that you have to drive through (laughs) to get into California from Oregon. And in that, they ask you all the time, do you have any fruit to declare? And so in my mind, is it my job to then inspect his fruit and say, can can he be a believer and be this? I would have to say no. I, I'm. We're getting into touchy, touchy stuff. It's hard. It's hard because... You can't deny his faith. He definitely believes in Christ. He definitely loves Christ. Is he obedient to what Christ is saying? You and I would say no. And that's where we, we're we supposed to be iron that sharpens iron. We're supposed to be, people always take it out of context, don't judge. God says not to judge. No, God says not to judge the, the unsaved, the heathens, the unbelievers. God says to sharpen the other iron. God says to keep each other in trust, to be accountable to one another. Looking at his story, I would disagree with the people who say, this is why you're not a Christian podcast. I would say, no, that's exactly why you're a Christian podcast. Because you need to have the people on there that have those opinions and discrepancies, for lack of a better term. You're showing that, yeah, there are other people who have other points of view, and you made your point of view fairly clear. And I think that that's wonderful. We know where you stand on that opinion, but you didn't condemn him for it, which is the big thing that I think is great. Because that's not what Christians should do. We should speak truth and love into people's lives which I think he did. I think one of the questions I ask is where in the Bible does he get his stance? I think I asked something to that effect and his answer is profound. I'll just leave it at that. Go back and listen to it if you're curious about that. So what did you want to end with, Garrett? I give it back to you. I had, let's just look at some of the questions that I had that we haven't covered, which we've covered most of them. One of the questions I had is, do you think you need to apologize to your child? Are you talking about Adia? Yes. Why do I need to apologize to her? So the episode is, I know that mask with Sarah. The The way I describe it, the episode is she was a know-it-all who became better. And it touched me because I was very much in the same boat. And then I became a believer and went, wow, I sound obnoxious from this point of view. She was talking about was saying that she needed to apologize to her child for the way that she was raising her. And that question struck me so hard with such a hard chord because I constantly questioned my parenting techniques i'm constantly sitting there going am i going to push my child away from his faith by 
doing this? Or am I going to make him, are we being so repressed? My, mind you, my child's not even three yet. With this kind of going, are we going to create a child who's going to go crazy when he leaves our household? So with that in mind, she specifically said that she went into the bedroom of her child and apologized to her for her action. Do you feel like you need to apologize to your child? Well, I think when it comes to Adia, I'm quick to apologize. When I've made a mistake or I've overreacted or I've misread a situation or I've made an assumption and it's gone south quickly, I hope she sees that I've been quick to apologize. Because at least in my mind, I have been. I'm really quick to apologize even with Elizabeth if I've done something that has obviously upset her or in any way hurt her. I'm really quick to apologize because I think so many times life is just too dang short. I don't ever want to have things unresolved in any way. I would say no to that, that I don't need to apologize. I don't think there's anything that I need to tell her I'm sorry for. I keep on thinking on my child and I, I have a long road ahead to figure out if I need to apologize or not. But as of right now, I don't think I need to apologize to my almost three-year-old child. My last question on here I want to get to is what would you tell your six-year-old self? The reason this question came up was very angry indeed. Anger issue episode. The question you asked the guest was, if you can go back to your six-year-old self, what would you tell them? And her answer was very, very deep, but I kept on listening to it as she was explaining it, and I went, a child, a six-year-old child's not going to understand what you're saying. They don't have the framework to be able to understand it. I love the message that you're getting. I'm glad that you're saying it because people who are listening to the episode can take that and move forward with their lives if they're dealing with the same kind of issues. Again, if you guys want to go listen to it, it is very angry indeed. Great episode, but what would you tell your six-year-old self, if anything? Well, I think my very... <laughs> First off, I've... I... I don't know where I came up with the question of the time travel. And I ask it, I think, almost every episode because it's so applicable, it seems like, to most guests because they're talking about past tense things or present tense things or I used to be, now I'm not. And I don't know. I, I just have always loved the movie Back to the Future. And, and just the idea of going back in time sounds so exciting on some levels to me because I think there's so much that you can change. I know space-time continuum comes a thing and butterfly effect and all this stuff. I think what I would tell six-year-old Neil is I would tell him i would tell him you're not only ever gonna be dumb you're not only ever gonna be stupid you're not you're not always gonna be angry and i think he would need to hear those things and again i don't know i don't know if he would get it but i would hope i would hope that he would hear me enough to say what does my life look like what do what do i want and i would try to instill in him that he can truly be the things that he wants to be and to not let anyone stand in the way of that because i think for so long i started to believe people around me that i was these things that i was never gonna be the giant killer that i never was gonna be able to stand and dance and not be afraid of where I was dancing. You know, David danced after he killed Goliath and people mocked and ridiculed him because he was so excited about what he had accomplished. And I think for me, again, I, I let for so long a lot of voices come into my head and a lot of voices come into my life that played a key role or tried to play a key role. And I realized a lot of those people were negative and I have to almost eliminate the noise. And so I would hope that six-year-old Neil would hear that and realize that the noise in his life is only going to get louder and he has to make a choice to say, eliminate and focus on. I like that answer. I like that a lot. I don't know, looking at my life, looking at where I was at six, I, when I was growing up, my friends used to say I lived in the Beaver household because my household was like, leave it to Beaver meets Roseanne. It was crossed between the two. So I think the only thing I could ever tell my six-year-old self is go have fun, go, that's it. Because there was no, there's no piece of advice I can give my six-year-old me that would be retained and would be used other than go enjoy yourself. 12-year-old self, plenty of words to say. 15-year-old self, 27-year-old self, any of these other ages, sure. But when we get to the five-year-old self or six-year-old self, life doesn't mean much at that point. Life is just freedom. Well, and I think it's the idea, too, that you have that freedom. You have that freedom to be able to say you're so much more. And I think that's what I'm excited about with the new season and with the new year. These amazing episodes of people saying, I was grounded, now I'm flying. And so I think that's so important. So, Garrett, I think it's only fitting as we wrap up that we play Senseless. So you'll roll for me and I'll oh, roll for you ooh. and then we'll answer the number accordingly. So okay. I'll roll for you. I'll put it in the cup just so it's official. 
All right, you got number four, Garrett. There's proof. I was going to say, I this is new senseless stuff, isn't it? Yeah, so these are new questions. So I'm rolling for Garrett, and Garrett's going to answer my question, then Garrett's going to roll for me, and I'm going to answer Garrett's number accordingly. Senseless question number four is this. Who would play you in your story of your life? It's funny that that's the question. Okay, so many different stages of life, we would go to Denny's. Whether it would be me and my drunk friends back when I was very much an alcoholic, me and my nerd friends before the alcohol and after the alcohol, call different groups of friends we'd always go there and my question would be always okay say we do a movie of our life who's going to play which character what will we do who's going to play who more often than not the person who was picked to play me was Kevin Spacey, younger Kevin Spacey, pre Kevin Spacey in trouble, Kevin Spacey, pre house of cards. I'm trying to think of who would be a good choice now because actors have changed so much in the last couple of years. It definitely wouldn't be Andrew Garfield. He's way too thin, but then again, I guess Hollywood could do those kind of things. It would be fine. Who do you think could play me, Neil? I, ironically enough, was thinking Kevin Spacey. When you started saying that, I immediately <laughs> thought, okay, Kevin Spacey playing the story of Garrett. I, then I think it just fits. It's going to be Kevin Spacey forever. Kevin Spacey for Garrett. All right. Now to roll for you? Or do you want to answer the same question? No, I, I want a different one. Okay. Five. Confirmation of the five? Confirmation of the five. All right. Oh, I was afraid of this question. Can you roll again? I don't feel like you- Would you got... rather go with number four? At this point, I almost want a number four. No, we have to be true to the dice. I know. The die never lies. All right. Number five is this. Mom or dad need to hear this. Mom or dad need to hear this. <sighs> One, did you already know the answer when you created this question for uh, Senseless? No. And two, did you ever think that you would have to answer? <laughs> also, no. I wanted it to be torture for someone else, not for me. <laughs> oh, man. Um. Hmm. So full disclosure, I came out of counseling this last year also. So that's kind of a big milestone moment, I guess you could say. Because last year this time, we were talking about me going into counseling. And so now I've come out of counseling. So what, what a year it has been. So... I think deep down, I'll, I'll start with my dad because that's a little easier. At, for Father's Day this last year, I told my dad that he's my hero. And I think that was the first time in a very long time I verbalized those type of feelings for him. He is, in all intents and purposes, my hero because I've seen the problems and the triumphs and the victories and the kryptonite and the, all the things. And I just want him in my life and I want him to care. And he's started to do that of late. And so I think I would just want him to know and to hear that, again, one, he's my hero, and two, that I truly love him. I'm proud that he's my dad. And again, these are things that I, I have said and I've tried to back up, not only in just words, but in actions too. And I know it will be a sad day when he is no longer here. And I know that day may be coming soon. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's going to be next week or anything like that. But yeah, I think, I think I would just want him to know just how much I really value him and see his value and know that he's valuable to me. My mom, that's a whole different animal. <laughs> Um, my mom and I are, I think are so similar in some respects. I think it makes it hard for us to get on the same page. And we've had a very on again, off again, challenging, trying relationship. And I think deep down, I think I would really want my mom to know I still do love her, even though she sometimes drives me bananas with her inability to do anything technology related. I think at the end of the day, too, much like my dad is very much my hero. I mean, I saw the work ethic in her. I saw her try. I saw her never give up attitude. I saw her steadiness, her stick-to-itiveness, her consistency. I saw all of that on display. Even though at the end of the day, maybe she didn't meet every emotional need that I have, I'm realizing more and more that was a really hard thing to put on her. And I did that for a really long time, that sometimes my emotions are so much even for her and to realize that I have to love her where she is not where I want her to be I think that's a good, great answer ah well we did it another year another year more you on the you <laughs> ever since I stopped being executive producer the show has just been getting better I think I was holding you back I don't think that's true I think it is just not in the way that it sounds <laughs> Gary I couldn't have done the show in the early days without you that's true. At any moment, if you want to come back, there's an open door here. So but, whenever. But with that vacuum of me going away, you've had to fill that. And you have. You've now hit a perfect stride. I would say this is where you're doing the 100 meter dash in record time. 
Yeah, I mean, it is hard. There are some things I don't enjoy doing. There are still things I absolutely hate doing. Show notes, yeah. There have been some great resources that have come out that have helped. There have been some some great little tricks and nuances to the show that I think are trade secrets, if you will. Chat GPT. Um, Chat GTP being one of them, yeah. <laughs> I think I I miss more than anything is I miss the day-to-day camaraderie. You guys don't know this. In the early days, Garrett would actually sit with me during the interview and slide me notes. <laughs> so he would be listening with the other person knowing that. And that was before we did video with it. But he would slide me notes on what to ask sometimes. And I was already going there. Just kind of confirmation that we were going in a good direction. I don't think it's any secret that I don't write notes for questions. I've never really done that. And then when I did do that, I felt very boxed in. For that, I do miss the camaraderie aspect and the brainstorming aspect that you were always good about providing. The $5 nachos. The $5 nachos. I will always remember that. I don't think that those exist anymore. Probably not. No. (laughs) I do miss you being a part of things. And that's why I love it every year that you come back because it gives me that chance again to to just kind of redigest what, what we walk through, what what I've experienced, and, and it's good to do that. Good to look back. I'm excited to see when the show becomes bigger and bigger that you're going to have to have supporting staff again. Have to have, not choose to have, but have to. Yeah, I mean, deep down, sure, I would love it to be to the point where it can actually make money and generate money and I could... Oh, I know, wasn't even going to go there. Quit my job and, and this be my full-time thing. At the same time, I still like it being a hobby. I still like it being just a passion project. I know people have said to me for years, why don't you just go and try to make money at it? There's always a concern there for me because of the standpoint, if somebody comes in and wants to give me money to donate, that's one thing. But if somebody comes in and wants to sponsor, I think that's when it gets a little dicey because of the standpoint of then are they going to say and dictate who comes on and who doesn't? Right. What point of views are you allowed to have? And I think from that standpoint, it makes it tough. Not to peek too far behind the curtain. Well, Garrett, with that said, I just want to say Merry Christmas to you and Ashley. Merry Christmas to you and your family and all of our listeners out there. Absolutely. want to say thank you guys for listening. I know this was an extended version of our Christmas episode. Well, Garrett, again, thank you so much for being here. You close us out. This is the best part for you. Remember, when you're here in other people's shoes, you really do get a different perspective. All right. Well, guys and gals. Kids and campers alike, you heard Garrett. When you walk in other people's shoes, you really do get a different perspective on life. Christmas edition. Next week's season finale day. Hard to believe we're already there, but we are. You heard what's happening in January. We're going to take flight. We're going to write some letters, and we're going to get real hungry at the end of the year. But as I close out, this will probably be my last one-on-one with you before the new year. Because again, next week's season finale, we want to highlight that guest. And guys, it's going to be a doozy, so you might want to hang around for that. But as I go today, as I alluded to in the episode, what have you been boxed in? shoved away, pushed away, locked away? And is it maybe time to finally unwrap the present that's been under the tree for a long time? Now, for me, for years, unwrapping was so symbolic. It was so exciting. There was so much joy there. But the real present, the real thing to unwrap, you probably know. If you don't, well, let me help you, is truly this guy, Jesus. Garrett and I talked about him a little bit. But maybe this is your moment where you're saying, you know, Jesus, you're not only going to be just a guy in a book of ancient times. You're going to be my only one. You're going to be my savior. Like I said in the episode with Thomas, you're going to be my Lord and my God. Maybe this is the season. This is the moment. This is the time as we close out 2023 to say, you're only going to be so much more to me than just a name. Think about that. As we wrap up, remember, as I already said, when you walk in other people's shoes, you really do get a different perspective on life. Stay tuned till next week as we close out the season, close out the year. And don't forget, we'll be right back here next week as we walk in other people's shoes.